the Texas Rangers are your 2023 World Series champions. Coming up, get our thoughts on how Texas made it all the way to the finish line, where Arizona Diamondbacks came up short, and also some of our early thoughts on the biggest headlines of the offseason. All that and more coming up right now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 115. Alex and I are coming to you. It is Thursday night, November 2nd. Uh, AJ, 24 hours ago, the World Series and uh, baseball season had concluded. Uh, The Texas Rangers are the 2023 World Series champs. So a big congrats to them. Uh, I will say, AJ, just on my personal note, a unattractive, uh, just just a weird World Series, I would say. I just didn't feel like the the normal buzz that I usually am, am... I'm getting or I'm seeing all over social media or and celebrating. I don't know. How'd you make how'd you feel about this World Series? How'd you feel about the overall uh, postseason as as a whole? Yeah, Travis, I think we are both a little bit biased. I, I think that we both were not really looking forward to Texas hoisting the trophy, just them being in our division. Uh, the last two seasons, we've been kind of uh, diminishing them or kind of during the season, kind of counting them out a bit. I think for good reason in a lot of respects, but you know they really got hot this October and they they earned the they earned the World Series title. Uh, it's hard to believe that that's the case. I think if you showed us, it was gonna be a. I mean, just just the Texas versus Arizona World Series. If you showed us that in spring training, we'd all be I think so confused. I'd be laughing. Yeah. And then given the the way it turned out, you know, I think that Arizona falling in five games it's not super super surprising given that they had like the negative run differential in this regular season you know it really felt like they you know they kind of they kind of reached the top of the mountain in terms of their uh run beating the phillies uh, you know being the dodgers and phillies in succession it was a really impressive little stint by them but i guess that could only last so long whereas texas travis they managed to kind of maintain their their streak a bit longer, uh, definitely a better regular season team than Arizona and ended up being the better team in October. And, and what did I read? 11-0 in away postseason games this October. And I saw, yeah, in a post-game interview, uh, I think they asked Jonah Heim, what was it like losing game 162 of the season on the road to lose the division lead that they had? And you lose that game on the road to pretty much force yourself into a wild card situation, proceed to take every single road game the rest of the way. Uh, it, it's it's definitely just one of the oddest uh, runs, and for for many reasons we'll get into about you know kind of why we think this is the result that happened, um, what went right for Texas, maybe what went wrong for the Diamondbacks. Um, but Travis, you know, on your point about this maybe not being the most exciting. World Series for you. Uh, I'll say that personally, I'm I'm in agreement. I don't want to bash on 
these teams. I'm happy for the fan bases and stuff. And I saw Mike Petriello tweet something about how, like, in my in his mind, like, one of the best seasons in a long time, like, blah, 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 mm-hmm. one of the best seasons in a long time. And you know what? Like, I'm happy for the fans who feel that way, Travis. But I think just us personally as Angels fans, the way the regular season, the last third of it kind of ended, uh, I think it's it's very understandable why we have a better taste about the year. And then just to cap it off with like another division rival that spent a lot of money getting the, uh, the glory. I think we both kind of see, I think everyone kind of sees why we're a little bit low on it. Um, yeah, it, it sucks when you, I, I thought about it last night and, and, and yesterday when the Rangers won it, you have the Texas team, you know, that just, just, you know, what was on top of baseball in 2010 and 2011, they did win the AL pennant, both of those years did come up short in the World Series both of those years. And then they just kind of have uh, they, they had a couple runs in the mid uh, 2010s. But, you know, it was just a it, it was pathetic. You know, the, the Rangers were not a good baseball team for a number of years. And then you kind of see this rise up. And like you said, Alex, they went out there and just spent the money. I think it was a uh, 800 million plus dollars by their front office committed toward towards guys like Corey Seager, towards Marcus Simeon, towards Jacob DeGrom, who we did not see at all in this postseason, towards, you know, Nathan Ivaldi, uh, John Gray. And it's interesting enough that you have, I think you see, you saw two different philosophies in this World Series. You saw the Diamondbacks who are all homegrown. Guys have been through the system. They've been through the farm. They're young. They're showing up sooner than expected. And they're in the World Series. And then you have the Rangers who, yeah, they do have some young guys, but man, they they just they just spent the money. And it's interesting how both philosophies worked in a way. But the team that spent the most money came out winning. And the team that actually made some pretty good, you know, midseason trades as well came out on top. You see Max Scherzer was acquired, Jordan Montgomery, who was fantastic down the stretch. Also Aroldis Chapman, who was a good seventh, eighth inning guy. So it's uh it, it's I'll say this, it's not the same. It's 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 not a completely new story. Uh it's something that we see every single year, you know, teams that spend the money and teams that make good trades in the middle of the season are always going to be uh, left, uh, you know, the, the top team and top team at the pedestal at the end of the season. So it's, but it was interesting seeing both of those kind of philosophies in this World Series uh, with the Diamondbacks. I, I, I can't even tell you how much money they have on their uh, their entire payroll right now, but it, I know it's not a lot. Yeah, a few responses to what you said. You brought up the old uh, Texas teams that made uh, the World Series uh, over a decade ago. Now, it's really ironic i saw a tweet um i wish i i knew who who said it i'm kind of going to steal their credit here but they pointed out it's very ironic or you know at least a fun coincidence that the famous you know david freeze series that brought a crazy comeback of the cardinals beating texas in texas in that game six uh, with the with the crazy you know uh, ball off the wall over Nelson Cruz's head, and then uh, of course the home run to win the game, uh, Travis. Those those moments, um, I'm just it's it, it's kind of unbelievable that one of the biggest reasons why Texas even won this World Series is because of Adolis Garcia. Yeah, and he was cut i think he was optioned i wish i knew the the term or the specific but he was uh, dropped yeah he was essentially released for nothing from uh 
the Cardinals in order to make space in a different move that the Cardinals made. So uh, what I'm basically saying is the Cardinals made this crazy comeback over a decade ago over Texas to prevent Texas from winning their first World Series. And it just so happens that over a decade later, a player that was discarded from the Cardinals becomes an all-star for Texas and ends up, uh, you know, in many ways, you know, Corey Seager was uh, a superstar and MVP uh, throughout the, po the postseason for them. But I feel like without some of those Garcia timely home runs, especially in the championship series, uh, Texas would not be here. So And Alex, another guy too is Zach Gallen. I saw him in a Cardinals uniform. I think it was four four or five years ago he was a part of the uh of the uh paul goldschmidt trade so uh that's another name you know and, and a guy that wasn't in the playoffs but he's a postseason performer randy rosarena he was a cardinal i, I saw a sandy lot of pictures I, sandy alcantara as well i saw a lot of pictures of guys in cardinals uh you know triple a or minor league uniforms that are playing for different organizations right now i don't want to change the subject and move towards like slowly bashing the cardinals but it is interesting now that you see a lot of these teams and you like you said you bring up in 2011 they uh the cardinals had just the probably one of the most painful uh victories against the rangers if you are a rangers fan uh watching that series you were an out away you were a strike away from clinching your first world series and you know you basically had to wait uh 12 years later to do so but uh it's interesting little uh little things that you you notice about some of the players that come in some of these trades but yeah and then you mentioned the whole uh, the whole side of the story about the trade deadline, the spending the money by Texas, all good things. And it, it's 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 a good point that you say how it seems like the World Series winner. It always feels like that they made the right choices of the trade deadline. But that is also kind of a self fulfilling prophecy in some ways because, like the team that has hot players, probably, you know, whatever whatever players acquired are playing the best in October are probably going to win the World Series. You know, if someone made a really great uh, trade deadline move, um, but ended up not making the World Series, like we wouldn't even kind of even notice that they made such a great move is, mm -hmm. is kind of my thought there. But Travis, it almost makes you think um, there's no way Arizona could have known back at the trade deadline that they would be uh, in the World Series, of course, against a team like Texas, who, you know, in many ways, I'm sure they felt was definitely beatable as they went into the series. Mm -hmm. Hindsight is twenty twenty. of course. If they had that knowledge, you just have to kind of wonder how much more would they have given up in the trade deadline to acquire more win-now talent, you know? Yep. They're definitely focused on, like, the window ahead of them, so I understand why they didn't go all-in on this season by trading away prospects. They brought in Tommy Pham. Um, you know, I just feel like and, and, and Tommy Pham had a really good uh, World Series, but I just feel like if they knew how close they would end up coming, they probably would have went and got a pitcher because they had to throw a bullpen game in Game 4, um, which they lost in dramatic fashion, yep. uh, in blowout fashion, I should say. And I think every game this uh, this Pope every series in this, in this postseason, you know, besides the wild card, maybe the NLDS, but it just was Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, I think, Brandon fought. It's like, yeah, yeah. Fott, Fott, and fought did very decent, but going into the playoffs, I was just like, man, they have, it falls off quick. They, they have two good pitchers in Kelly and gallon gallons elite. Kelly's a good pitcher. That's it. And so I thought to myself, man, I, I, I it's not like the Phillies who have two very good starting pitchers in Wheeler and Nola who could really lead you through a series. But that, that was one of my biggest takeaways is man, 
who do you go after Brennan fought or fat or <laughs> I, I can't pronounce his last name correctly, but it, it just seemed like it was it. That was one big hole in that team. And it's surprisingly, they still made it that far, but it was one hole that I was very shocked that they got away with, you know, making it this far with that hole not being filled. Yeah. yeah and I could also kind of say maybe they should have added more bullpen help. They went and got Paul Seawald who, in many respects, has been a good reliever the last few years. Game one. <laughs> and was a good reliever throughout the playoffs up until the World Series, it seemed like. Yeah. Uh, I think he actually allowed no runs, earned runs in the postseason until the World Series. But he did definitely, uh, Texas definitely got to him uh, in this series a, a few different times. But I, I, I can't really go in and, and totally bash the Arizona Cardinals. Sorry, the, was, <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong sport. I was thinking, yeah. The Arizona yeah. Diamondbacks uh, bullpen because... At the same time, I am pretty stinking low on the Texas Rangers bullpen, despite what they just did, right? I mean, Chapman, Travis, they brought in Chapman from the Royals. They actually gave up a good prospect for him. I, uh, I think his name is like Cole Regans, mm. and he's been doing – he closed the season very well. He's going to be a sleeper for some people in fantasy next year. I, I guarantee you that, a starting pitcher. But um, is Chapman, Travis, he – I cannot tell you how many times he got himself into a jam and then got some sort of double play. It happened against the Orioles, happened in this series a couple times, I think. It's just very interesting how... A lot of walks I saw from that guy. Uh, I think he, he tries to overthrow some of his pitches. And, and you know, guys coming into it, I think you got to think, man, you're going to see at least two balls in this count, you know, in this at-bat. You know, be be picky at some of these pitches. It's, it's coming in hot. It's coming in fast, but... He was in some some circumstances. He was very wild in some time. In some areas, it was not terrible, but again, it wasn't perfect every single time out there. Right, and so kind of considering how they got to him, considering how the one time Arizona really got to Leclerc was in a situation where it mattered the least because it was already kind of a blow. Was that against Leclerc? No. I'm trying to think of who Gurriel hit the grand slam off of. Oh yeah. Um, but but but, yeah. but basically, like the way that the Arizona uh, failed to capitalize um, against the bullpen in the tight moments, but then kind of got to him in the more blowout moments. It's just kind of a classic case of you know bad luck, unlucky timing of you know when when the hit finally dropped or when 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 the ball finally uh, left the yard. So overall. I have to, of course, give big credit to Texas, to the team that they've built. And I'll get into, uh, in a second, I'll get into what I think worked really well for them this season and in the postseason. But uh, I just cannot believe, Travis, that I've said it before on the, on the podcast, that the World Series champions now are a team that had, in my mind, a very questionable bullpen. I think they there's probably an argument that they're like the worst bullpen Winter World Series, like this, this century probably. Probably like, my lifetime. Yeah, I, I I go into it every single year, Alex, and I say, man, the best team to win the win the World Series is, I think, a team that has a elite bullpen. And you know, you think about great teams this year who had you know great bullpens, the Baltimore Orioles. Even though I know Felix Batista got hurt later in the year, but uh, I I think about them. I even think about the Astros. They're just so consistent with Abreu with Presley and a bunch of those guys. Um, I'm trying to think of other teams as well. Uh, you know, the Braves always have a pretty good bullpen as well. Uh, Dodgers as well. And and to, to think that this year it was the Texas Rangers who throughout the season, it, it was not pretty. Uh, some of the statistics that got shown were 
awful and yeah. it, they, they just had meltdowns and the offense was the only thing that was kind of carrying them as well as some of the starting pitching. Nathan Evaldi was brilliant all year long. That's, that's, uh, there's 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 all truth behind that, but uh, it, it it there was some rockiness with the starting pitching and the bullpen. To me, the Rangers, the hitting, that's what stayed consistent all year long. That's what really carried them the entire way, and um, it, it it's a shocker. I mean, I, I'm I'm one of the first ones to say, yeah, pitching is a big factor, and if you want to be a World Series champion, and it it just the Rangers kind of proved me wrong and and said, hey hitting is going to be the way of the game this year for for us to win the world series and and they did so so i i, I mean yeah kudos and hats off to you but it was a uh it, to me it was a head scratcher you, you don't usually see teams like this the astros for years were brilliant at starting pitching and hitting so they had both factors it seemed like but this year the rangers uh purely just a uh a, a hitting offense uh and a power hitting offense led by um Corey Seager, Alex, who we'll get into later on, probably in the offseason. But man, I mean, I the strides he took this year in this postseason, he's a guy that next year when we do our rankings, Alex. He, I mean, he he has a very good shot at being probably a top five player in all of baseball, not just position player out of all positions. I think he could be a top five guy probably in the rankings. He was just spectacular this year and in the postseason. Uh, I say I'll say this. If there's no Shohei Otani in the American League, Corey Seager would have had himself a a pretty memorable year and, and all of baseball all of writers would have had to acknowledge this year as being a, a, a truly remarkable year at the shortstop position for Corey Seager that's all that's what I'll say that, that, that's a great point and then uh before we completely abandon that conversation about the the bullpen I just wanted to make sure people didn't think we're just kind of haters and and we're just kind of speaking out of turn but looking at some of the numbers on the Rangers bullpen that you know that they're they're amazing offense was able to overcome the weak bullpen all season and then the other factor is that the bullpen actually got hot in the playoffs. A lot of these guys turned it up a notch, but um, Leclerc had a nice 2.68 ERA out of the pen. Besides him, this is the next uh, several guys in order of innings pitched and their ERAs. You have Will Smith, 4.4 ERA, Brock Burke, 4.37, and then after that it goes downhill. Josh Spores, a 5.5 ERA, uh, then we have Cody Bradford, a 5.3 ERA. You have uh, Grant Anderson, a 5.05 ERA. Jonathan Hernandez, a 5.4 ERA. And this is in order of innings pitched. So like, these are like their most used guys are all in the mid fours to mid fives for ERA. Uh, and, and just the fact that these are the guys you really are banking on down the stretch uh, of a... A division race, uh, a wild card series, a division series, a championship series, and a world series. It's really impressive that um, they ended up getting uh, great performances from a lot of these names in the biggest moments. Some of that, of course, comes down to luck, and some of it comes down to I think the Rangers became a much more savvy organization last couple years, especially this year's Travis. I saw a lot of really uh, promising stats, um, some across the season and some just in regards to the World Series. Uh, the the um, comparisons between the Rangers and the Diamondbacks between their swing decisions uh, was an, a heavily uh, advantage to Texas. I, I, and what I mean by that is someone did some uh, research into how often those teams swung at balls in the heart of the plate, which means it's not really close to the strike zone edge. It's right in the middle. Um, 
Texas is swinging way more often than Arizona at those pitches. And then on the chase zone, which means it wasn't even that close to being a strike. It was, it was definitely like you kind of got fooled kind of pitch. Um, Arizona was swinging way more than Texas at those types of pitches. So it really felt like uh, Texas, the hitting staff, uh, the, the, the hitting coaches um, definitely put a lot of emphasis on swing decisions. And I think the whole team really uh, benefited from that. Um, that's just kind of one detail that I, I kind of read a little bit about. But Travis, I think overall, the people who are in the Texas hitting coach staff and and people who kind of know the inner workings of how they achieve what they did this year those people should be prime candidates for coaching jobs in my mind um because i really feel like if that could be implemented Travis, i mean just because looking at two years ago and, and even a year ago um if you ignore like seager and Semyon last year like a lot of those hitters were just much worse last year and the same guys a lot of them took a step forward in a really meaningful way that contributed to this run. So I feel like there's a lot to be uh, praised in regards to the hitting development on that team, Travis. I mean, to to I think just going into this year, if we said Texas will have one of the best offenses in baseball and it will be so hot in October that it wins, they win it all despite the pitching question marks, um, I would be pretty impressed, you know. So hats off to... Uh, you know, those components of the, the team and the staff, because I feel like that's really what set them apart as a special team this year. I feel like if they, um, you know, didn't have that that huge step forward in the hitting, I think the pitching would have gotten exposed a little bit more perhaps. But that's my opinion, Travis. Um, any other notes on these two teams? I do have a couple things on Arizona maybe we could get to. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I was just going to say, I mean, the Rangers have what's interesting is the Rangers have a lot of guys returning next year. It's not like a bunch of guys are off contracts or retiring. They're going to bring back basically the same squad and they're they still got a young bunch of guys. And I think they do have a pretty healthy uh, farm system as well. I know uh, uh, Jack Leiter is a uh, big prospect that should be coming up maybe next year as a starting pitcher. So uh, again, the Rangers are a team right now that, will be good for the next coming seasons uh, in, in, in the near future. So it, it's one team that uh, primed and had had a, had a hell of a 2023 and, and and won't be fading away. And then, I mean, kind of covering the the Diamondbacks, Alex, they, they're a team I feel like just that got hot very early in their stages of success. You know, I think we all thought the, the, the Diamondbacks are going to be a team that we can't, we could definitely see being, highly successful, you know, come, you know, the middle of the decade and onward. Uh, but they really uh, overshot what, what what we thought they'd be doing this year. Uh, you know, I think everyone thought, man, the Diamondbacks could be an 80-win team. I think if we go back to our first couple episodes of 2023, um, or at least covering the 2023 season, uh, we did our picks for over and under for win totals. And I, I'd have to go back and, and look at the Diamondbacks. But, you know, I, I think their win totals were, you know, around 75 and, um, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, people were thinking and Vegas was thinking as well, man, if they could just be 75 wins or if they could get around 80 wins, that's a really successful year. But, uh, you know, they, they did have, what was it? 80, 84, 84 wins. Okay. So and they're, they're based on the, based on the, uh, what do you call it? The run differential. You can find the Pythagorean win loss. So like what your win loss should have been. Yeah. 
based on the runs allowed versus runs scored, that's a 79 wins. So like in so rea- in reality, given their negative run differential, like, you know, Vegas wasn't that wrong about it. They weren't that wrong. And 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 truthfully, yeah, I, I mean, they the Dimebacks were a team that just got they, they got into the playoffs and that's all they needed. And they just were taking care of uh, teams uh, series by series. So uh, th- there's the random randomness on that side of the ball for uh, for the Arizona Dimebacks on the American League side. You know, Texas was a strong team all year long, and they, again, continue to prove it uh, throughout the postseason and throughout October. But uh, anything else, again, on the Diamondbacks you wanted to cover? Yeah, so one little point, um, Travis, you probably saw me ranting about it in various group chats during the game yesterday. Um, I just feel like the Diamondbacks, there are moments where they shot themselves in the foot in this series when it comes to not being able to score with runners in scoring position, not being able to drive those guys in, some people might say that's bad situational baseball. Some people might say um, that the hitters aren't clutch. What I say is that's just some uh, bad luck. I think that uh, the way that the Rangers pitchers, uh, specifically Evaldi in Game 5, but pretty much throughout the series, uh, Rangers pitchers were able to get out of jams um, is a big reason why they won this series so convincingly and why Diamondbacks were never really able to punch back in a huge way. Specifically in, in the game last night, Travis, it was 0-0. Diamondbacks were desperate for offense. They had first and second with no outs, and they had their three-hitter, Gabby Moreno, do a sacrifice bunt to move runners to second and third with now one out with Christian Walker coming up to the plate, Tommy Pham behind him. Um, I like Walker and Pham as hitters in that spot. The problem is, Travis, I think specifically with Walker, there's a lot of strikeouts uh, potential there. Um, maybe there was concern about Moreno potentially grinding into double play. You want to avoid that situation at all costs. You want to make sure that um, you can get a runner to third with just one out to try to sacrifice him in. But Travis, I think that what we have learned from this playoff run, I feel like at least, is you win these playoff games by putting up big numbers. Like I, even though last night was a low-scoring affair for most of the game, um, I just feel like looking at the memorable moments when Arizona upset the Dodgers, they put up these huge crooked numbers in these you know blowout innings uh, in each game really uh, when. Uh, the Phillies are hot and they, um, you know, upset the Braves. It's because they put up these big uh, monster innings where everyone gets going. I feel like just uh, moving the runners over uh, and, and trying to sacrifice guys in to go up by one run against that Texas offense. I just know that lead's not going to last. Oh, 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 you're not going to win. You know, you're not going to pull off the 3-1 comeback by winning 1-0 three times in a row against that Texas team. That's just not... The, the way I would approach that situation. I don't want to act like, you know, you guys lost the series just because you bunted in this one spot. But that just one kind of moment that I felt like was a good example of where I thought the Diamondbacks left something on the table. Um, you know, maybe Moreno, Travis, grounds in double play there. Maybe he, he swings away, just rolls one over to third base, and Texas gets another one of their clutch double plays that they got throughout the playoffs. I, I, I feel like... Um, they would have been better off letting Moreno, who was one of their better hitters throughout October, uh, swing away there. I just don't like the bunt situation, especially just given who was coming up next. If you have a guy coming on deck who uh, who never strikes out and he always puts the ball in play, 
um, for better or worse, I maybe would be much more inclined to let that guy um, sacrifice that runner in. But Travis, when Christian Walker had two strikes, I was like, it's over. I mean, he's like, I doubt he's sacrificing these guys in. Um, and I think he struck out and fam, I forget if he struck out or I think he might've grounded out, but, um, yeah, I, it's, it seems weird that, uh, we all know Christian Walker has tr- tremendous power, but the contact is not there. And you, you put him in a contact situation right. in a high leverage game and, and all your points are, are, are spot on and correct. I, I definitely, uh, I, especially in that part of the lineup, maybe other parts of the lineup, Alex, I would disagree with you. And I'd say, you know what? No, I think the bunt is the right move. You got to get runs in, especially when gallons pitching the game of his life. Uh, but in that situation with, with, you know, Gabby, Gabby Moreno, uh, has been, he, he him, uh, unlike, you know, uh, Marte, Corbin Carroll, those are your guys that you're going to, of course, lean on. But Gabby Moreno has really grown up this postseason, and he's been one of their best hitters, I would say, in in the uh, in the playoffs. And to make him sacrifice himself for, uh, yeah, for Christian Walker, it just seems like I, I'd want Christian Walker up with runners on first and second, because then he could pop the ball into the stands for a home run. And you know, you're going to have to, of course, risk the double play. But yeah, it just it 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 it, uh, it left a sour taste in my mouth that uh, that you know, Tori Lavella would do that for, for that situation when I think he should know his players better and he should know who his opponent is better. You know, you're not, right. you're not going to win the game one, nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we, we totally agree on that. Um, also Moreno, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know Evaldi uh, walked either Marte or Carroll and the other one got like a single, I forget the order, but um, just given that situation, maybe Evaldi walks Moreno, you know I mean? Like yeah. you just kind of, there's like all these other outcomes that could have happened and just to chalk it up as an out um, is not what I would do with my three hitter in that spot. Um, but and I think it was, uh, was it Corbin on second? And Yes, because yeah. Evaldi, and, 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 yeah. And, and that could be, uh, I mean, you could really pick your pitch to go on it and, and I mean, potentially just do a double steal. And and I feel like that that result, that you would, you would have done that, that probably resulted in a run that inning more often than what you did do so uh it, it's just it, it's it, i think it's not smart to 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 put christian walker in that situation so yeah and i think maybe even you could put it this way i'm not sure i'm on, on the math on this i haven't worked out the the probabilities but it would kind of make sense to me if someone said yeah that bunt to get runners over to second and third your chances of scoring a run that inning go up by a little bit but I feel like your chances of losing the game might go down a little bit. Or sorry, the chances of you winning the game might go down a little bit because um, you have a better chance to score one, but you have a much you have a much worse chance to score two, three, or four. Yeah, because um, yeah. you're giving up that out. Good point. But yeah. but but but, yeah. but that being said, Travis, Texas had that one game in Game Four where they scored all their runs with two outs. Like they scored ten runs with two outs in that game, setting a record or tying a record. So, uh, in the, for a World Series game. So the fact that some teams just happen to be able to hit and hit and hit and hit when there's two outs. That's just the nature of the beast in October. Um, anything else to cover here, Travis? Nothing it, else. It, yeah. it, it was it, despite our our intro about how we were kind of let down by the matchup and the way that um, you know I think we both would have liked it more if Arizona punched back in Game Five a little bit harder and kind of forced a more competitive series. Definitely, because because you know Game One was all Arizona and Texas won it in the end, and Game Two the Diamondbacks won Game Two. Pretty, Solidly, pretty, pretty yeah. easily. So you went into Arizona thinking, man, this team can really fight with the Rangers. But Rangers took game three. 
Game four was a blowout that was over by the second or third inning. And then game five, it was just a pitcher's duel. And man, you just, you, you, you're in such a scared position if you're the Dimebacks because you're saying to yourself, we need to score runs against this team in Texas who we know in one inning could make this five nothing. And they, they pretty much did that in the end. Yeah. And, and overall, despite what we said, I think that the World Series, um, it was great seeing a lot of, fresh faces definitely uh, yeah. on a big stage because uh, we're so used to seeing a lot of the same guys in those spots from the last few seasons you know uh, and and it it's just going to make me reconsider next season as we kind of make you know i'm already thinking about 2024 season now but when we're thinking about who's going to make the playoffs and who's going to make the world series i really have no idea now because i felt like i had a good idea of where all these teams were at but there were so many surprises this year Regular mm-hmm. season surprises in Texas, surprises in Baltimore, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, in the National League, surprises surprise, in New York Yankees and Mets just not being good, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, just across the board, Cardinals being underperformers uh, uh, and Diamondbacks stepping up in a big way. So, a, a lot of surprises that caught me off guard. I'm trying to already think about what's going to be surprising about next season. It will be very tough to anticipate, but we'll do our best in the offseason to kind of recalibrate and think about. Uh, how we see 2024 shaping up, Travis. But there's other news in the baseball world right now going on that we should probably cover a little bit um, before we wrap up and, you know, officially launch into the the offseason, Travis. I believe um, uh, the screenshots going around Twitter, Otani is officially a free agent. Like, he elected free agency, but it's like, I don't know what else he would have elected. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what that means. But it just, it, it wanted, you know, the Rangers winning the World Series is, is kind of a slap in the Angels' face and a slap in a lot of the American League West teams' faces. But today, of course, seeing that screenshot as well uh, or seeing that uh, snip of the yeah. official MLB news that Shohei Otani is now has elected free agency. That was, of course, another one that was like, all right, it's going to be it's going to be fun. <laughs> right. And, and, and we mentioned the Mets uh, a second ago, and it made me remember one of my points I had written down. I think if you told a Mets fan, Travis, in 2022, that in the year 2023, DeGrom and Max Scherzer will both put on World Series rings, they'd probably be like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then they would see their season unfold and they'd be like, what is going on? But then, of course, DeGrom ends up signing with the Rangers, so it kind of would tip off the Mets fans early on. But um, it's just crazy how uh, the 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 link of events uh, kind of kind of came out but Travis um looking at other offseason things um that are going on you mentioned the Angels fan pain uh component there with you know the Rangers looking good the Mariners Travis looked pretty good all the way till the home stretch of the season the Astros are still going to be the Astros and, and Oakland just, you know, they don't really have any pain at all because they just got to say, you know they what? They can't feel anything. Yeah. We are saving up for all these prospects when we make the move to Vegas. And, uh, well, I mean, if you are an Oakland A's fan, you are in Oakland. You are counting down the days and the years for that ship to sail. But, uh, yeah, there's no there's no pain really in Oakland because they know – we know we're not committed to, to winning. We're, 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 you know, we don't really know what we're, we're, we're doing because our owner doesn't – doesn't like a fan base too too much but uh yeah like you mentioned as angel fans we do expect winning baseball we spend the money on you know certain players for winning baseball but it doesn't it doesn't happen so and and given our situation otani now a free agent a lot of uncertainty in the air about 
who's going to be calling the shots this offseason. We know General per- General Manager Perry Manassian will be uh, part of the front office. It is unclear if there will be new people brought in to make decisions uh, because Al- I think his name is Alex Tamim, his uh, vice president in the front office was let go. Um, there's been rumors that Artie Moreno owner is leaning on like veteran players, guys like Tim Salmon, uh, con- uh, sort of setting up meetings with them and asking them what they think about you know this manager or that manager. And it really kind of makes you wonder who will be making the decisions. For me, I think this will be, um, assuming Artie is fully committed to staying the owner next season and doesn't put the team up for sale again, given that, uh, outcome. I think that he will be doing a lot of the shot calling. I think he put trust in Perry last season. And um, even though Angels had a lot of talent, things just did not go their way with the injury, with the way that the, that the trade targets did not pan out. It makes me wonder this, Travis. Um, how can the Angels expect to hire a really good manager given the situation that the Angels are in with the division? with the players potentially leaving them like Otani, uh, with an owner like Artie Moreno, and with the other opportunities throughout the league. The Mets are going to have a vacancy. The Brewers may have one if Council does leave. Um, The Padres, I mean, you're talking about other teams that um, are in other big markets that have a lot of talent on their rosters that are also trying to win, and you don't have to deal with an Artie Moreno. They don't have to deal with trying to replace an Otani on the roster. Yep. Um, so given that situation, I, I really feel like the Angels manager process could be a tough one. I, I really hope they target an under the radar guy. You know, I, I've heard that the Astros bench coach has been getting interviews throughout the league. Like I said, the Texas hitting coach, I don't even know his name, Travis. I've read it before, but I, I can't, I can't recall it. I don't, I mean, I, 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 and, and I think he got interviewed by like, it's the, like by the Fox guys. Uh, right, right, and, and he was explaining their process, but yeah, continue. It's yeah. like I don't care what your name is or what anything else. Your resume speaks for itself. Yeah. Like you just yeah. helped that team completely transform their offense in a really short amount of time. I trust you. I trust what uh, what you're able to do uh, clearly, um, and some of that is probably credit to Texas front office um, and the brain trust there. But obviously, a lot of it goes to coaching as well. Travis, I, that being said, I feel like the whole Artie Moreno fake sell of the team that leads to the Perry, uh, the Phil Nevin one year contract that then leads to our situation now really screwed us because <laughs> it, it, yeah. if we had locked in uh, a pretty solid manager like a year ago for like a three year deal, it would help this off season a lot. I feel like as yes. opposed to now we're in a spot where, you know, Artie's going to throw money at Otani and hope he signs the contract. We don't know if he will. The most people think that he won't, uh, that being said, how do you go about hiring a coach not knowing if Otani is going to be in the team? I think every coach would want to know um, what is this roster going to look like when I take the job. Yep. And so there's so much, so many variables, I should say. But give me your thoughts on the situation. Not really who you think will end up being our coach, but just like how do you evaluate? How does a uh, someone who applies for this job evaluate what they're getting themselves into. Yeah. I've thought about this topic, Alex, probably every single day on my drive home <laughs> from work. <laughs> it's uh, it's, it's a tough situation. And it, it, it's really, 
it's surprising and it's 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 honestly poor job on the angels front office that we don't have a manager by right now it's it's november 2nd the giants have already done their job they secured bob melvin and that weird padres letting him go interview for the job and then he walks away saying hey sorry guys i'm not coming back uh, clean my locker but it you'd think that that decision or that job would be would be finished by now it reminds me of i i forget which season it was but uh the angels i remember they were they were looking for a gm and we were trying to sign players and it's like we got to get a gm first and then we can get that gm to go sign players i think it was in 2020 or 2021 alex when uh i think it was after the 2020 season and epler was let go or had had gone away and and uh we we, we got out to perry to be the new gm but I just feel like we need to we need to secure a manager very quickly and soon so that they can yeah know what kind of team that they're going to be going into and that is also a big uh area where Shohei would look into and say hey I want to play for this guy or I know this guy I like him I'll play for him um or hey I don't know this guy and I don't really feel comfortable with him so maybe I'm going to go elsewhere and uh, play for a new team but you know I again I I think we've talked a little bit about this I just am not a big fan on some of these guys like Buck Showalter some of the guys that have been around the game for so long I just don't think it's a good situation right now with the Angels and also Perry Manassian I think he's on a one I think he has one year left in his contract Alex I think it's time to go out there and give the position to a guy you've never heard of guy like you mentioned Astros bench coach a Texas Rangers hitting coach and you know what I've been a big fan too for guys that have been angels in the past and are 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 you know fan favorites i know tory hunter's name has been leaked out uh as a as a possible hire i know darren erstad's a guy that's always been leaked out because he's coached in uh in in in, you know the highest level of college baseball before um yeah i know tim salmon's been thrown out there that's just because i feel like it's just a fan favorite and it's like oh let's get that guy to everyone that would be my worst nightmare (laughs) just just, just to be clear i I, I, I love him as a player as as a as a legendary angel yes uh, you know, hitter, DH, <laughs> but, but hearing him, hearing him in the booth sometimes or post game, you know, I just feel like, um, you know, obviously he knows a lot about the sport. I'm not trying to bash on that, but I just do not feel like it's a fit in terms yeah. of, um, getting the young group of guys that we are hoping to invest our future into as it's, it's, as, it's, it's yeah, it's a total, it's a total arty hire that would be like, let's get the you know the world series hero tim salmon to come to anaheim and coach this team and be you know they'll probably put his banner in the in the in the in the streets it's 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 just corny and it's like no we we, we, you know you you don't see team you don't see david ortiz coming to boston to to coach the red Sox, or you know dustin bedroya coming to boston to coach the red Sox. it's 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 just it's a little oh the red Sox went and got the Astros bench coach. Yeah. It's like they were smart with yeah, that decision. Exactly. And so that that that's where I I I want this to be I, I wish it was quicker. I wish that we had already gotten a manager. I know when uh I know when Joe Madden got uh when Joe Madden got hired in twenty nineteen, it was I think right before, right in the middle of the World Series. So it was, you know, basically the Angels Angels had a manager going into November, uh already hired. But it's it's something that they just keep on lagging and I, I I wish they would just act upon it quickly and and like I mentioned I think they just need to go out there and get someone that is a fresh face uh someone with a brand new perspective on baseball and 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 approaches also someone that is not going to be you know like a buck showalter where the name is out there and you know hey you are 
basically here with the GM for at least one more season. We don't know what's going to happen after 2024. We could be a fourth place team again, and Perry will be looking for another job elsewhere. And then you got to basically a manager that has no GM or no boss. And then you got to go out there and hire that new GM. And again, it's, I think it's just going to get very ugly, very fast. If we find a guy like a Buck Showalter, someone who has a name and say, Hey, let's give you a four-year deal. And then, you know, your, your, your GM in the first year is, is gone after year one. I honestly would just like to see a, a young guy get a shot, get an opportunity maybe on a one, maybe on a two-year deal, and let's just see what he does and, and see what he can bring to the club. So many teams have success with guys that, you know, you've never heard of. I remember people said, um, I saw today, Craig Council for the Brewers, he never managed a game in his life before he got the Brewers job. And that's what they're saying now, of course, about, uh, you know, guys like even like Torrey Hunter or like Darren Erstad, you know, they've never managed or coached in the big leagues they were players they've never managed they get put in that situation who knows maybe it's successful i know tory hunter is a fun guy to throw around i don't know exactly what that would be like so i again i'm not he's not one of the guys i'm just eagerly saying come on angels i know there's angel fans that want that and those are the angel fans i just hate and we have a lot of them that just they they want this corny you know, old past angels hero that everyone loved. And, and they want that to be the guy that, you know, we can turn to, but you know what, again, if we, if we got an Astros bench coach, if we got a Phillies hitting coach, if we got someone that actually has won playoff games and playoff series over the last two or three years, man, I, I, I would take that any day. I, yeah. I, I really would be comfortable with that because you know what, we have nowhere else to turn. It, it, it's really, it's, it's, it's the, it's the plain truth. It, it that really, was my rant. Yeah, it really it, and it is well put. I really comes down to we want someone who has seen the inner workings of a successful team, right? A team that has really popped off in the last few years, and we want to see it. We want a coach who has been. Uh, oh, you're saying you don't want an organization guy that's been with the Angels for like ten plus years, and you know knows the culture, right? He knows our culture, therefore we will suck for the next decade. <laughs> that kind of guy. Yes, yeah. Um it, it it really comes down to I mean and and, and you know, back I don't want to just bash on Tim Salmon the whole time, but he's just been a broadcast guy the last like how many years? Like this is not I, I do think he coached like his son's high school team in like Arizona, which it's like congrats, you know? <laughs> Travis, I didn't play high school baseball, but I'll let you tell me, is it that hard of a job to coach high school baseball? Probably it's, it's, not. It gets difficult, yeah. Probably yeah, not. Yeah. Um that being said, it just comes down to I. It should be a no-brainer. Would you rather have someone who's been in the broadcast booth the last three, four years, or someone who has been I'll take Gooby. in the middle of a contender? I do love what Gooby has to say in the game. Maybe he could be a fun like pitching council. <laughs> like just just get just get his thoughts before and, the game. And the fans that say, "Oh, I want Salmon as the hitting coach. I want." Um, I want so and so as the you know as the pitching. Uh, Adam you know, Kennedy is going to come back. Yeah, yeah. I, I want Jared. I want. I want Stein the fielding coach. I want Jared Weaver as my pitching coach. It's just kind of like guys. This is now. This is really just becoming a Mickey Mouse squad. Yeah, like we're just not a video game. We are. We are living like in like you are just getting old legends to come back and coach this team. I think that would just be like the saddest sight my eyes would have ever seen with this organization right now. So and that's why I'm I'm huge on. We need a young guy, someone that's been raised in a successful organization and someone who has a new perspective and a new philosophy for the game uh, with some of these young and successful teams to be a part of this this team. And and, and I, I truly think that'd be the best way moving forward. I, I just don't like these, 
I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to bag on Buck Showalter, but I know when that name got thrown out, I'm just kind of, I, I just was, it just left a bad taste in my mouth. I just don't want to see a guy like that come into a team that it is, it is, it is going to be a very tough place for a coach to look at and, and, you know, wrap, wrap the idea around his head of, you know, what, what will this team look like at the end of the season? You know, what, what we need to do, be, what we need to do to be successful. It's, it's a, it's a very challenging position. I would say right now, out, out of most of them, you know, in Cleveland, Alex, you've got a good core, you got, you know, Jose Ramirez, you've got a lot of young guys that are on very cheap contracts um, in San Diego. That's a tough one. You got a lot of guys that are on expensive contracts. You got a lot of egos and probably personalities that deal with, but Hey, you do have a very good team in San Diego and a lot of good pieces. Um, and then, you know, with some of the other teams as well, I know with the Mets, you, you got an interesting situation out there, but with the angels, I mean, you have uh, a generational star in Mike Trout. I know you don't have Shohei right now. Technically he is a free agent. And then you have guys like, you know, Anthony Rendon, who is making stupid money every single year. And we only get 30 to 40 games out of, and I know there's some off the field problems where reporters do say, Hey, he doesn't answer questions. He thinks this is funny. He thinks it's all like a joke in a game. So that of course angers the fans. And it's just one giant melting pot of anger, disappointment, and sadness that a manager's gonna have to look at and say, how do I get all these, all of these, you know, areas of the organization and team and the fans all to be on one page and all to be clicking at a, you know, one note at a time. But that again, my, my spew again, and I can go all day on this manager job and hunt. I think it's one of the most crucial parts of the angels off season is finding someone that will be a good fit to, to lead a team that we all know it, it's, it's not pretty. Right. And, and it just comes down to my last point on this. It just comes down to, we don't really know exactly how Artie Moreno views the next few years as the angels. If just think of it was our decision, we would want to put in place a guy who we know will be here for a little while. Yeah. Someone who we can get some length out of. Artie, honestly, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if he's taking it year by year. Like, who who can give us a chance to win next year if we do bad? It's someone else. I, I just feel like he really is desperate to yeah. win a ring and doesn't know how to do it. And and he's just going to try to um, throw, throw things at the wall, hoping it, it sticks. Um, but Travis, let's keep it rolling so we don't end up with uh, a straight hour on the Angels manager search. Um, there are some interesting things happening already with free agency. Um, and not to go back to where we just were, but if the Angels don't have a manager by the 6th, which is Monday, all of a sudden free agents can now be signed. And like a free agent's going to want to know, like, who am I going to be playing for? Yeah. Uh, who are my teammates going to be? It might just kind of stall the process if you don't have a manager by then. But um, And I don't know. I You know, I November is a, a crucial month in – the off season for baseball, I'd have to go back and check what the dates are for uh, arbitration and all that stuff. Cause I know that there's right. like, there there's, there's all those, you know, guys will get offered an arbitration or guys will agree. And I, there's, I think there's other terms as well where, you know, I, I forget. I, I've seen some different news. I know that it's like, so, so far this year that they've set the qualifying offer. It's like qualifying a offer, yep, 20, yep. 20 point something million because last year it was like 19.5, I think, and a lot of guys were getting one year 19.5 mil, and it was it was a, a common uh, yeah. uh, figure that we were seeing. So the Angels are going to offer that to Otani, and he will decline. <laughs> so we will get at least a second round draft pick and and score. Just no. just uh yeah, just a, a little thing on Otani again. I, I just something I always think about is 
we're not going to see a pitcher. We're not going to see the pitcher of Shohei Otani next year. We're going to only see the hitter. Um, and I've mentioned this before, you know, how is that going to impact a team that signs him? What's that contract going to look like? Will you see a Shohei Otani contract where, hey, year one, you're only getting paid $20 million because you're only hitting. Year two, that's where we give you your insane raise or, you know, your insane bonus, uh, uh, you know, to to compensate for the pitching side of things. But uh, that's going to be something that we'll end up having to see what uh, – what team wants to do and what the contract's going to look like. I think it's going to be one of the most fascinating contracts in sports history because we've never seen a guy that can do this uh, in, in professional sports. Uh, you know, I, I know basketball, you play both offense and defense, hockey play offense and defense. Uh, but, uh, but for this, it's, it's truly unique. So it, it'll be, it'll be fun to see which team signs them. And then also uh, what that contract looks like. Yeah. And then um, I saw someone post there like, you know, way too early predictions for free agents. And they had like the contracts listed as well that they expect. Mm -hmm. And and some people had like someone, I saw two, one, someone had Otani to the Dodgers for like 12 years, like $540 million. I'm like, that just seems insane. And then someone else had a different idea and they put Otani to the Diamondbacks. And I don't understand what this person was thinking, but they said, one year prove it deal and then someone quoted that's funny does that say otani one year prove it deal like prove what like yes he's hurt but prove what like we literally saw him rake through tommy when he had a torn ucl or whatever ruptured ucl i mean there's nothing to prove he just proved it for three straight years to me that you can be a a high war guy you know again like it's like for the fourth straight time yeah yeah um yeah the i i don't you you yeah Charles, Charles, let's put it this way we you and i are both excited to be very annoyed by people online posting their projections for contracts where they think players will sign Charles, we will do an episode in the near future here um, honestly, Travis, I mean, free agency signings will be happening a lot sooner than we expect. We have to start, you know, thinking about where we see some of these guys going uh, before they start signing. You know, we'll have to make some yeah. uh, predictions and some thoughts. I saw today that Jorge Soler is opting out of his player option, so he'll be a free agent. And that's probably from the result of you know Kim Ang possibly leaving the organization. Maybe maybe he's fed up and he's like, I'm 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 done. She was a big piece and the reason why I wanted to come to this team. So. It'd be, it, the Marlins are a team as well. I know guys mentioned Skip Schumacher. Hey, could he be out there for a manager? Maybe he wants to just leave the Marlins altogether because he's also fed up. It, it's it's a story that I think could get it could get a little more interesting as as the offseason progresses. If if certain guys in the Marlins, uh, you know, uh, coaching staff or guys on the Marlins team say, hey, you know, what what was up with that? You know, it, 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 little a little bit of anger there. Additionally, on that point, it seems like. If you do have a player option right now, not a bad time to take it, just given the fact that there's just been buzz about how it's not a super stacked uh, free agent pool. Um, there's some good pitchers. Um, there's some good hitters, but it's not. it doesn't feel like it's one of the deepest ones if you take a look at some of the guys that will be able to be signed. Um, I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what kind of money some of these guys bring in Travis because there's going to be more demand for a guy like Bellinger, for example, it's like, you know, he had a great year. You still have to have some questions though, but I could see him getting like a five, six year deal for a a, a big chunk of money just because people say there's not that many good outfielders in this pool. uh, For example, 
let's just go give Bellinger and make him our center fielder for, you know, the next five years. And we'll give him, you know, I don't even know, 30 million a year. Like it's going to be something yep. that's a very substantial amount of money. Uh, guys like Snell and Nola are going to probably get contracts that are ace like um, because those guys have been in Cyan conversations and Snell might win it this year. But um, are those guys you can count on to be starting pitcher number one on a World Series team year in, year out? Probably not. I am very high on Nola, but um, those, guys, those, guys, those guys might get paid like like superstars because of the other uh, available talent. But we will kind of hold off on uh, predictions where those guys might land uh, when that time comes. Travis, I don't have much else here for us today. Um, our next episode, we will get into some of the... I mean, so throughout this month, Travis, there's going to be so much going on. There's yep. going to be off-season stuff in regards to players, uh, free agency, new teams, um, even trades potentially. There's going to be other big news in regards to our reactions to the awards. Um, the MVP, Cy Young, will give our thoughts on all that stuff. We'll give our thoughts on the all MLB team when that gets released, Travis. We will make our own all MLB team in response and kind of say, you know, where they messed up on that. Cause we are so passionate about getting those things right. And when they get them wrong, we have to say something about it. And then also Travis, we will have to, um, you know, react to the coaching hirings. I mean, it's crazy how many teams are out of a manager with free agency I know. a few days away. I know, I know. And, and, and big, you know, impactful markets, uh, the, the teams yeah. that are in these markets like San Diego, like New York for the Mets. Um, you know, even I even say Cleveland. Cleveland to me, you know, I know they finished third this year in the Central, but they 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 should be a strong contender for a top two finish in the Central. Uh, and even, you know, two years ago or you know, last year, they were a 90 win, you know, uh, AL Central champion. So th th that's another position that I could see being, uh, you know, another attractive spot to go out to and uh, and, and go and interview to. So uh, I think I might be leaving a couple out there as well. Yeah, Mo uh, I keep saying Mil Milwaukee, Milwaukee too, because it, it, Craig Council it's, it's, it's has not agent, signed back. It's a yeah. free agent situation with the manager. Um, also a team that you expect to be a playoff team. Uh I, at Brewers, Travis, to me, every offseason, it's fascinating. Like, are you guys going to finally spend? Yeah. And I feel like we said in a few episodes ago, this is not really the year for them to spend. I, I feel like I would start selling because of the Woodruff injury, yep. because Council is a free agent. Also, Houston. We forgot Houston as well. That, that I mean, Oh, of course. That's a... I would say that's a very pretty situation for a manager to go into and say, hey, you know, I I get a get to acquire a team that made it to Game 7 of the American League Championship Series, and in some ways probably should have made it to the world series and uh could have been the world series champion back to back years i wonder if texas would want to go the route of hey we're so successful we just want to hire someone internally because we've been so successful let's keep that same culture and identity going and that's if i was a fan of that i would say you know what yeah sure if maybe some bench guy or or a staff that yeah, or a guy on the staff that we know we've known about for years has been doing a great job at that, at that, uh, you know, for, for the, for that organization, then I would like to see him get promoted and get that opportunity to lead the, uh, to lead the Astros, you know, moving forward. So I guess in that situation, Alex, I would be looking more towards a, a internal hire than a, you know, I say it again, a Buck Showalter that, right. you know, it, it's a big name, but it's a guy that's, um, he has a long history. And I think that there are just certain teams that would be, 
best suited for, you know, maybe like a Buck Showalter decision, you know, maybe a team like San Diego. I don't know. But uh, I think that that a team like Houston, they have so much success already in the organization. Let's just promote from within and uh, and, and continue that that vision we we all see. Yeah. And, and um, I, I have seen a little bit of buzz about the Astros managerial. Uh, I don't know if they've already interviewed people or if they're just kind of uh, people linked to the job right now. But I know Brad Osmus Travis is someone who I believe he was the runner up behind Dusty mm. to get the manager job. And he was also the runner up to get the GM job for the Astros. So very interesting how like he was a candidate for both of those roles and didn't get it. So I think Travis, he's a prime candidate to fill uh, a hole in one of these teams, right? The Astros, the Padres. I mean, who knows throughout the league? We just, we just listed a bunch of teams. Um, I personally would like him for the angels, but you mentioned that bridge could be burnt. Um, Joe Espada is the guy who is the bench coach for the Astros. Um, he is a candidate for, the job, of course, if like you said, if they want to go internal, that would make a lot of sense as well. It almost seems like Travis a fork in the road moment for the Astros. They could go Joe Espada, keep the same regime in place, you know, or if they go and get a guy like Osmus or someone else uh, that's uh, a good candidate but not from their own staff, maybe that maybe say let's say that hire Osmus for example. Osmus brings on his own staff. A spotter maybe leaves then, goes, gets hired somewhere else, brings some Astros staff or some other close people with him. You can almost kind of see um, that new franchise that Joe Espada goes to could start to take on some of the Astros' momentum in terms of like things that um, they were doing really well the last few seasons. But uh, Travis, we could keep rambling about uh, some of the fun theories we have on this stuff. But I think it's a good time to wrap it up here. Next episode, Travis, we're going to have to cover a good amount of stuff. Some free agency predictions uh, are in order. Some reactions to the probably the first bit of news. Like I already said, Jorge Soler is already um, opting into free agency. The Yankees just cut a bunch of guys today uh, who were uh, big players on their team this year, like Domingo Herman, who threw a perfect game, is now a free agent. Anyone can get him. Uh, he didn't have a great year at all. I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Travis, the, it's it's a time where we're going to be very busy, uh, busiest part of the offseason probably. Uh, so I'm excited to get into all of that in the coming episodes. Um, if you made it this far, we appreciate you so much, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>